0: AM 1280, The Patriot, is WWTC, Minneapolis, St. Paul. FM 107.5, K298CO, Minneapolis, Intelligent Radio.
2: With SRN News, I'm Ron DeRockstrom. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo has sealed a defense cooperation deal with Polish officials That will pave the way to deploy more American troops to Poland.
3: The opportunities
4: are unlimited. The resources will be available and the partnership will make this happen.
2: The Enhanced Defense Cooperation Agreement sets out the legal framework for additional troop presence. comes a day after President Trump failed to win a U.N. extension of an arms embargo against Iran. The only country siding with the U.S. in the Security Council vote was the Dominican Republic. Japan marking the 75th anniversary of its surrender in World War II today with Emperor Naruhito expressing, quote, deep remorse for his country's wartime hostilities. However, Prime Minister Abe Shinzo did not apologize or even acknowledge Japanese wartime atrocities in Asia and elsewhere. This is SRN News.
0: Dr. Sebastian Gorka
4: opposes mail-in ballots. With the Democrat Party wanting to make mail-in and absentee voting, the standard. Forget politics for a hot minute. We are talking about the integrity of our electoral system, which means the integrity of our nation. America First with
0: Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Afternoons at 2 on AM 1280, The Patriot Intelligent Radio.
5: Hour 2 of Brad Carlson coming up next right here on AM 1280, The Patriot Intelligent Radio. In what ways are Americans' liberties under attack? And why are they under attack? How do we get back to normal as we knew it? Find answers to these questions and more by streaming Morality in the 21st Century at SalemNow.com. It's a look into the toughest social and moral issues we face today through the lens of our country's rich and religious political history. Save 20% with the promo code Minneapolis at SalemNow.com. Forecast from the Homestead Road Weather Center, mostly sunny, high of 78. Stand by for the Northern Alliance Radio Network.
0: Brad Carlson. AM twelve eight Patriot.
6: In the of the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Back with hour number two of the broadcast we like to call the closer. It's me, Brad Carlson, filling in for Mitch Berg, the headliner. Thanks for always for tuning in. You can check out my blog at bradcarlson.org, and we are here to take a phone call 651-289-4488. You can also weigh in by Twitter. Just use hashtag NARNShow, hashtag NARNShow for any comments or questions. And if you'd like to check us out on Facebook, feel free to do so. Just do a search for the Northern Alliance Radio Network on Facebook. And give us a like if you haven't done so already. As always, we appreciate you doing in again. Filling in for Mitch today, who is away on assignment. But fear not, Mitch will be in for me tomorrow. Same uh, time as always, 1 to 3 p.m. And uh, we appreciate you listening to, well, any opportunity you have to listen to the Northern Alliance Radio Network, whether it's Saturday or Sunday. We appreciate you tuning in. Uh, want to take a shift into some national politics. Of course, the big story from this past week, a Democratic uh, presidential candidate, Joe Biden, selected his running mate. It is California Senator Kamala Harris. She, of course, a former attorney general of California, now a senator, and was a presidential candidate in her own right and was touted as a one of the up-and-coming rising stars of the Democratic Party, yet she didn't even make it to the first primary of 2020, but yet she's now Joe Biden's running mate. And here to talk about the national aspect of this, of course, is our favorite national political wonk, Matt Mikowiak. You can check out his fine work on his podcast, Mac on Politics is the name of the podcast. You can find it wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, whether it's Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, all those sort of things. And I have yet to listen to Matt's uh, podcast with former Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker. So definitely looking forward to that one. Uh, Matt Mikowiak, as always, a pleasure to have you on the broadcast, sir. How are you?
7: Hey, great to be with you. How are you doing?
6: I am doing well. Thanks so much. Uh, obviously, as I mentioned, Matt, at the outset, big news this past week. Joe Biden selects his running mate, uh, Kamala Harris, and... Uh, You know, undeniably historic, the first uh, minority female on a uh, presidential ticket. And as such, you have some prominent groups uh, basically calling out media outlets, uh, telling them that uh, they better avoid that uh, racism and sexism in their reporting. It's almost like they're uh, launching preemptive strikes, Matt Mikowiak, where she gets a tough line of questioning that's to uh, insulate her from criticism. So I guess the first natural question, uh, Matt Mikowiak, is, you know, when she's in the – Vice presidential debate with Mike Pence, and when she's facing uh, some tough interviews, what is the best tactic to go after a, a record which, to be perfectly honest, is very flawed?
7: Yeah, it's, it's a good question. Um, you know, the historic nature of, 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 this, of this choice was, was muted a little bit, given that, that that Biden really signaled he was highly likely to choose a woman of color, right? And you know, he narrowed his you know his his, his selections down, you know, to, to I guess women of color. According New York Times, his, his final four uh, were uh, Kamala Harris and Susan Rice, uh, the two, two women of color, but then also Gretchen Whitmer, That's the right. governor of uh, Michigan, and Elizabeth Warren, the senator from Massachusetts. Both of them were not women of color; they are women, but but are both white. Mm-hmm. So, but that said, look, Harris is, was I think probably the most uh, uh, kind of qualified of the of the finalists that was that was an African American female. Um, She was elected statewide in California several times. She's been attorney general. She's been a U.S. senator in her first term. So, you know, she seems to me to be sort of the the closest thing he had to a sort of do-no-harm pick. She had the least weaknesses and perhaps the the greatest upside. You are right. There's been a full court press on to to limit, you know, questioning and, and criticism of the choice. In fact, she's only done, I believe, one interview. Uh, which was done for a, a brand new uh, online outlet called the 19th which is focused on on issues related to women that have been scheduled long before that she kept so yeah in terms of the be- best areas to 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 question or to criticize you know I think one that's going to get brought up is her record on criminal justice issues mm-hmm. uh, which uh, which was which was raised uh, quite quite skillfully during one of the presidential debates by the uh, Congresswoman from from Hawaii, Tulsi Gabbard That's right. uh, that she you know put a lot of people in prison, particularly black and brown pe- people for for minor offenses. Um, I also just think just sort of the idea of of California politics and and the views uh, in in California not probably being a very good fit for places like Minnesota or Texas. When it comes to environment, Environment, immigration, taxes—you name it. So there's a lot to go through there. Uh, I think she's, a, a, you know, probably a, a reasonably good pick for Biden, given the the uh, the, the narrow uh, qualifications that he set. He he wanted someone he he you know could have as the last person in the room, and he wanted a woman of color. And given that there are no black governors, uh, black female governors, and there's only one black female senator, I guess she was the only choice really he had.
6: So along the uh, along those lines, obviously, you know, I, I mentioned at the outset that she was considered a rising young star when she got in the uh, presidential race for the Democratic nominee for 2020, and then didn't even really didn't even make it. Uh, I don't I don't recall to the first primary, first caucus. So that being said, with a majority of voters surveyed believing that if Joe Biden is elected president, he probably won't even make it for his first term, thus that would elevate. Kamala Harris to president so how how do they kind of square that circle because it was very clear early on that you know she was well, I I don't know if it was the ineptitude of her campaign but she was rejected by the, the Democratic voters so is it was it more do you think Matt that her campaign was so inept that she couldn't get any footing was she flat out rejected by voters combo planner what was your assessment on that
7: yeah I mean her, her her campaign really was a disaster you know I remember when she announced in Oakland she had 20,000 people there she you know, got into the race as one of the front runners. I believe her fundraising was very strong initially. And, of course, the early debate, she actually was pretty strong. I mean, we all remember, you know, that moment when she went after Biden on, yes. on the issue of busing, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I'll, I'll give Biden credit in this sense. He was able to forgive that and, and to move past that. And I guess do what he thought he had to do in terms of choosing her, um, you know, kind of forgiving, forgiving that, recognizing that that was politics. Uh, But you're right. I mean, you know, she faces uh, pretty good odds that she will, at minimum, be the Democratic nominee for president in 2024, if not already be president one way or another. So if anything, that that increases the need for her to answer tough questions and to deal with criticism, which she hasn't had to do yet. Uh, But but yeah, look, you know, to me, um, if you look at her presidential campaign, it's one that was strong when it, when it started, and it got worse every day after. Uh, she was unable to answer basic questions on the campaign trail. She had three or four positions on the issue of Medicare for All. Um, she, you know, she really kind of was a candidate with, without much of a base besides California, which you would think would be enough, but she really didn't play well in Iowa or New Hampshire or, and didn't even get to South Carolina, where if she'd been on the ballot as an African-American woman, she might have done pretty well. Sure. She couldn't even get there. Uh, so her her candidacy was not strong. I mean she was not able to answer questions, not able to develop a constituency uh, showed she really wasn 't up to it um, and 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 so those weaknesses are still there i mean we 're talking about less than a year ago when these weaknesses were were were, were there for all to see
6: and obviously, there has been a continued discussion over the presidential debates obviously between uh, President Trump. And Joe Biden. And uh, there are some that were signaling, look, we we're in the midst of a pandemic really isn't necessary to have debates. We know all we need to know. And it seems like those who are calling for no debates are the ones who are (laughs) strongly supporting Biden. And obviously the Trump campaign has even gone so far as to say, well, I think we should have more debates. Um, I I seem to remember Joe Biden's performances in the Democratic debates. Uh, He wasn't as inept as people are making him out to potentially be if he were to debate president Trump. So do you share that sentiment, Matt Makoviak? I think that's a mistake to, to underestimate him in the, in the three debates that are scheduled.
7: Yeah, look, it's interesting. I mean, you know, I think for those of us who've watched him for decades, you know, we have a certain picture in our mind, which is really not what he what he's able to do today. Sure. I mean, if we're, if we're being honest about it, he is not you know half as sharp as he was four or six or eight years ago. But you're right. I mean, he was he was okay in the in the Democratic primary debates at the presidential level. There there were I don't know eight or ten of them I think over time. Um, you know, he does at times kind of make confused comments and, and kind of say some strange things, but there weren't any, you know, glaring, glaring errors that cost him everything. Um, I think the question is the audience will, the TV audience will be so large stakes will be so high and it'll be going up against Trump, not these other second and third team, you know, presidential candidates, the democratic side. And so, you know, Look, Biden is either going to uh, basically uh, confirm Trump's criticism that he is totally out of it and and not up to this, or he's going to basically deny it. Uh, And so Trump's criticism is either going to be proven or disproven at the debates. And there's nothing anyone can do about it but Joe Biden. Um, He is going to get tough questions. He is going to have to take incoming from Trump. He is going to have to stand there for an hour and a half um, and and and, de- and demonstrates to the American people that he can be president of the United States. And he's not had to do that so far. It's been kind of shocking how they're able to hide him in, in the basement in Wilmington, and he does almost nothing. He hasn't answered a question from a reporter in over, th- uh, over 30 days. Uh, he does one event a day at most. Sometimes he does no events. Uh, at some point, that's going to catch up to him. And generally, one of the things I think they haven't thought about as it relates to the debates is that he's not getting any practice answering questions. Sure. Or sharpening his message or figuring out what to say what not to say so you know he's he's less practiced now than he's been and he's not as sharp as he's been and so i think the risk of him you know again proving trump's criticism i think is pretty high
6: once again we're joined by uh, political wonk matt makowiak talking uh, the uh, presidential race of course the uh, national election a lot at stake not o- not only the white house Certainly the uh, U.S. Senate, which the Republicans hold a 53 to 47 majority, uh, certainly going to be a, uh, a, a contest to try to hang on to. Matt, we need to take a, a quick break. Are you able to hold for another sure. segment? Okay. Once again, we'll be back with uh, our political walk, Matt Mikovic. We'll get his perspective on those aforementioned Senate races. And we're here to take your phone calls as well, 651-289-4488. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N show. It is me, Brad Carlson, filling in for the headliner. Mitch Berg on the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Go nowhere.
3: Whoa. Look at all these options.
0: You can fill an entire warehouse with all the different ways you can stream The Patriot. Top shelf choices include am1280thepatriot.com, our free app, and radio.com.
4: Relief Factor, effective pain relief that really, really works. How do I know that? I don't have a script. I don't have talking points. I live it. I've been taking it for a year and a half. I had a lower back pain issue that had been plaguing me for nine years, almost a decade. I took Relief Factor for two years. Weeks, yes, two weeks, and my pain was gone, and it's still gone. That's the experience of tens of thousands of Americans who are taking Relief Factor right now. Don't take my word for it. See their incredible video testimonials at relieffactor.com.
7: How'd you like
0: to eliminate your expensive cable bill forever or get new satellite internet where cable can't go? Well, now you can have affordable satellite internet service for a few dollars a day. All you need is a mini satellite installed and you can have unlimited internet connections wirelessly in your home or office. And no cable boxes means unlimited connections and no clutter. You can surf the internet or stream any of your favorite television services with no cable. And the best part is, satellite internet service costs only a few dollars a day for your entire home. Yes, fast internet to surf or stream television for a few bucks a day. Call now for free details and learn how to drop your experience. Expensive cable bill.
7: Eight hundred four three zero eight seven six one. 430 8761. 430 8761. 430 8761. That's 800 430 8761.
1: Millions plan for retirement online. Estimate your future benefits, apply for retirement, and manage your benefits all from the comfort of your home. And give yourself the freedom to do what you want offline. Get a twenty five hundred dollar learning voucher
5: from Sylvan Learning for just twelve hundred and fifty dollars through this special offer from Sylvan and this station. Only two half price Sylvan Learning offers available. Go to the station's website, click on the More tab, and half price offers, or call the station now.
6: Welcome back. AM twelve eighty, the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network. It is the headliner edition of the Northern Alliance, sans the headliner Mitch Berg, who is away on assignment. But fear not, Mitch will be filling in for me tomorrow, 1 to 3 p.m. on these very airwaves. Again, it's me, Brad Carlson. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. And here to take your phone calls 651-289-4488. You can also weigh in via Twitter. That's hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N-Show. For any comments or questions, as always, we appreciate you. Tuning in, continuing our discussion with our political wonk Matt McOvayak. Talked in the uh, first segment about the presidential race, presidential politics, specifically Kamala Harris joining Joe Biden's uh, ticket as on the Democratic presidential ticket. Want to talk some U.S. Senate races? As we mentioned, uh, the Republicans hold a a advantage in the Senate fifty three Republicans to forty five Democrats, and of course the two independents caucus with the Democrats. So essentially forty seven. Dems. Uh, Matt, since we last spoke, uh, Alabama had its uh, primary election and uh, former Auburn football coach Tommy Tuberville outlasted uh, former Senator Jeff Sessions for the GOP nomination. Uh, Doug Jones is the incumbent senator down there now, Democrat who defeated Roy Moore in the special election after, (laughs) ironically, uh, Senator Sessions vacated the seat to become Trump's attorney general. Uh, I guess we'll start off with that one. Um, am I Is that uh, pretty safe that that one should uh, flip back to where it re- uh, belongs as a Republican, Matt Makowiak?
7: Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, you know, that state Trump's going to carry by 15 or 20 points. You'd have to overperform at just a stunning level. Uh, and Tuberville, you know, is kind of your generic Republican, basically. I think even Alabama fans will probably vote for him. Um, so <laughs> he, I really do think he'll he'll be fine. It's a shame just, you know, from a conservative standpoint, it's a shame that someone like Jeff Sessions couldn't get renominated.
3: Sure.
7: Uh, he had such a conservative, you know, track record and such a good career. But the Trump uh, criticism of him that he, you know, chose to accuse himself was really pretty, pretty hurt, pretty damaging, even though it was really the only decision that Sessions really could make. Right. Uh, given that he'd been a leading surrogate for Trump, I mean, uh, you know, if Trump wanted someone who who wasn't going to have a conflict, he shouldn't have appointed Sessions Attorney General. Um, so anyway, uh, but yeah, Alabama's. Uh, the importance of Alabama is, you know, the, the Democrats need three seats to take the majority in the Senate. If they lose Alabama, they need four. Right. And and, I, I, and actually, if you think about it, they need more than the net three because they, they, need, they need 51, not 50 plus the VP. They need 51 probably because they can't guarantee they're going to win the White House. Right. So that means instead of four, it's really five to get mm. to 51, right? So that, you know,
1: that, that's more of like
7: winning five out of the six most competitive seats. That's more like a sort of inside straight. They have some advantages. I know you want to go around the map, and we can do that if you want. But there, there are two. You know, there's a path of two or perhaps three seats for them. Not including Alabama, you know, not including losing it. The path to getting to five or six gets you to a place where they're having to, to to flip some seats that are are a lot tougher, and that probably requires a pretty decisive Biden victory this fall, which I think is unlikely. I think we're probably going to see a fairly competitive presidential election. I still think Trump could win. I saw Nate Silver. Said he thinks Trump has a thirty percent chance of winning. Okay. That feels about right. I might say forty percent. But either way, I think the, the presidential race is more likely than not going to be within two or two and a half percent, and that 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 makes it really difficult for Democrats to take the five seats they're going to need to get to fifty-one seats.
6: One particular race I, I did want to uh, to mention is obviously the Arizona Senate race of uh, Martha McSally, who uh, was appointed John McCain's. Uh, old seat back in uh, uh, 2019. She, of course, uh, vied for Jeff Flake's old seat in 2018 and lost to Democrat Kirsten Cinema. She was then appointed in uh, 2019 and, of course, is facing uh, Mark Kelly, the husband of former Congresswoman Gabby Giffords. And early on it looked like uh, Mark Kelly was uh, going to cruise to victory and that would be an easy flip, had a double-digit lead in some spots. I read recently where McSally is actually – uh, starting to close the gap a little bit. So, I guess my first question, Matt McOvick, is why is it, at least to the electorate, that Martha McSally doesn't doesn't have more appeal? Very appealing, uh, a very intriguing backstory to be sure, but yet when she's facing voters, uh, it seems she has a has a tough go of it.
7: It's a great question. It's it's one I've asked myself several times. I've had her on my my podcast as well. Um, she is extremely impressive. One of the first, I think, uh, combat uh, pilots in the Air Force. Uh, just extraordinary experience. Very impressive, intelligent, down to earth. You know, kind of kind of candidate. For whatever reason, with the electorate, she's just not really made the sale. And I don't know if that is, you know, that she maybe pales in comparison to to someone like McCain. You know, we had such success electorally in Arizona over the years. I don't – there was criticism that she ran a pretty poor U.S. Senate campaign in 2018. Mm. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think she's changed her team quite a bit, so perhaps that's been addressed. Mark Kelly has raised enormous money, I mean absolutely enormous money. I want to say he's got seven or eight million dollars in the bank. It might even be more than that. Uh, But that's another example of a state where, you know, Trump wins Arizona – Ms. Exhall is probably going to win. Uh, if mm. Trump loses Arizona, right. she probably can't win. Right. And I think you have to say that it's it's you know fifty fifty about Arizona and Trump. I just you know I think it's really 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 close. Um, it's going to depend on all kinds of factors, uh, like it is a lot of places. So yeah, I, 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 I I'm about as confused as you are as to why she's not you know a stronger statewide candidate in Arizona. We'll see if she can finally put it all together in 2020.
6: One thing we've always talked about is if uh, once Susan Collins decides to uh, you know retire on her own that that seat would probably be reliably reliably democrat uh, mm-hmm. for the near future. However, it, it does appear that at least to the latest polls shows Susan Collins' democrat opponent has a significant lead and most of the polls show a a, a toss up. So is it just um has she worn out her welcome is she too tied to Trump? Uh what's what's kind of the uh, in, what's kind of the mindset up there in the state of Maine, Matt Mamacoviak?
7: Yeah, I mean, she's facing the strongest challenge she's ever had, and part of that's the environment. Part of that is you know she's um, she's being you know hurt by whatever connection they can draw towards Trump. Uh, certainly, she played a key role in in in, in voting in Kavanaugh, that's and for right. some Democrats, that was a you know unpardonable sin. Yeah. Um, look, she has she has her own brand in, in, in Maine, right? And I think you know saying she's a Trump Republican is pretty ridiculous. Uh, I, I I wouldn't bet against her. I mean, she is facing. I think I think it's the Senate minority or majority leader Sarah Gideon, who's raised good outside money. She's got her own problems as well. Um, I just I don't know. I I wonder. I have to. Feel, I just sort of feel like Collins is going to find a way to win. I mean, betting against her in politics in Maine has been a very very bad you know enterprise in recent years. I just have to wonder. I mean, look, she's going to overperform Trump in Maine. Obviously, well, sure. She got her, she's got her own brand. Um, you know, she really does fight for that state and represent it well. She's not my favorite senator, but she's also, you know, representing a really, really Democratic state. So that's going to be an interesting one to watch. I, it's going to be very close. It's another example of how they, how they get to five seats because that's probably one of the five they're going to need.
6: You know, as we've been talking a lot about some of these uh, some of these Senate races, uh, Republicans largely uh, playing defense, obviously because uh, they they have the majority. And we alluded to the Alabama race where that is the one prospect where the Republicans pretty certain to flip that one from Democrat to Republican of the seats currently held by Democrats, Matt Makovic. Do you see any others that could possibly be in play, possibly spring up as a, as a surprise where the Republicans, if not win at least be competitive?
7: Yeah. So there's, there's two potential pickup opportunities and I'll, I'll put them in order of, of possibility. The first is Michigan, and you and I, I think, have talked about this. John James, the African-American yep. military veteran, has outraised Gary Peters, the incumbent, I think, for the last two quarters. And I think in the polls has either been slightly ahead or certainly within the margin of error uh, over the last you know two months or so. Uh, Gary Peters is a pretty weak incumbent, uh, first-term senator, not well-known, not well-established. Uh, and I think is running a pretty mediocre campaign. While Don James, who ran last time against Abby Stavano, is running a much better campaign, is getting more help and is raising more money this time. Um, you know, if Trump wins Michigan, which is a big if right now, he's behind. There's been a lot of speculation he may give up on Michigan. I don't think he will. Uh, and I think he'll probably overperform the polling in Michigan. But if, if he can find a way to win, I think James probably does win. I think James wow. does overperform Trump. Uh, but the question is if Trump were to lose Michigan by two or three points, could James overperform at that level or not? Uh, but then the other state is is, is Minnesota. Um, you know, I saw, uh, what was it, a, was it a, a poll, I think, just in the last couple of days that has shown... Uh, Statistical has shown, dead
6: heat, yeah. Yeah, and the Hill had a story about that. Shown,
7: yeah, sorry, they've shown, you know, Jason, uh, Jason Lewis uh, in striking distance. Now, that's a state, you know, Trump's going to be in Minnesota this week, as I think you know, uh, yep. he... You know, they are making a big push there. Um, it was the, – I think the, the – I, th- I believe it was the state that had the closest margin uh, of the states that Trump did not win in, in, in 2020 uh, – excuse me, 2016. So, yeah. uh, you know, look, that's a reach, uh, but is it possible that Trump could win Minnesota? It's possible. Is it possible Jason Lewis could overperform and defeat Tina Lewis, this first-term appointed senator, I think it's possible. I wouldn't bet on either one of those, but they're going to be close. They're going to be two or three point races or closer, and if the, the circumstances are right, I think it is possible, 10%, 20%, maybe 30%, Republicans could pick up one or both of those seats.
6: Once again, we're joined by uh, Political Walk, Matt McCowiak, talking uh, all things presidential politics as well as U.S. Senate races. Uh, Matt, we only have about a minute or, or, or so to go, but I always like to get an update from you because I know you've kind of been on the front lines of your home city of Austin and the homeless encampment that has taken place there. I, I know that there was a you gathered a lot of signatures to try to uh, uh, to challenge that and, and uh, obviously the difficulty you've had down there. Uh, what's the latest you can share with us about uh, about that particular situation?
7: Yeah, thanks for asking. So we did collect signatures. We had to turn in twenty thousand to get on the November ballot to put a camping ban back in place. We turned in twenty four thousand five hundred, and a couple, maybe ten days ago, the city said we didn't turn in enough. That they invalidated uh, too many. So we're we're waiting on more information from the city, and we're exploring our legal options. Either way, we're almost surely not going to be on the November ballot because the deadline, I think, is, I think is this Monday. Okay. Uh, so we're, we're trying to get on the ballot in May. But, yeah, the problem keeps getting worse, and our city just cut $150 million a third of the police budget. So the next uh, six months, 12 months in, in Austin are going are to be far worse than the last six or 12 months have been, and that's really saying something.
6: Wow! Yeah, that's unfortunate. That's a that's uh, a stunning development. I mean, I guess uh, w- you know what's the process to in invalidating signatures? Is it? I mean, I guess I mean there's a lot of nuance to it, but I guess I'm not familiar with how they how they go about that process.
7: Yeah, you have to be a city of Austin registered voter, resident, and a registered voter. Okay. and they you know they had six or seven reasons why they threw threw them out, and we think several of the reasons were inappropriate. So we'll we'll be battling it out.
6: Oh yeah, yeah. I I don't doubt that uh, the fight will continue once again. Uh, Matt Makowiak, listen to his uh, fantastic podcast, Mac, on politics, available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. Again, I just saw the recent post that he had the opportunity to talk to former Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker. So I'm definitely looking forward to uh, that conversation. Uh, Matt, appreciate it. Thanks for everything you do. Thanks for uh, all your contributions to this program. And uh, have a great rest of your weekend, sir. Appreciate it. Enjoyed it, as always. Take care. AM 1280, the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network. Me, Brad Carlson, filling in for the headliner, Mitch Berg. Mitch will be in for me tomorrow. And back in mere moments, 651-289-4488 is the number to call. Brad Carlson again coming back on the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Go nowhere.
8: PJ here from PJ's Appliance Outlet. Are you in need of a new washer and dryer, a new stove, dishwasher, or refrigerator? Do you prefer top brands like LG, Frigidaire, Whirlpool? Are you dragging your feet due to the cost and feeling like more often than not you'd be overpaying for these appliances? Well, here at PJ's, we've solved that problem for you. Our clients, many of whom are listeners to this station as well, have already saved hundreds, sometimes thousands of dollars by shopping at PJ's Appliance Outlet. Our everyday standard pricing is 40 to 70% less than the average appliance store. We're not talking the inflated MSRP pricing. We're talking real, everyday pricing. So before you purchase an appliance, it's well worth a quick visit to our store to see what we have in stock and how much money we can save you. At PJ's, we proudly offer basic and extended warranty options along with professional appliance delivery and removal services. Go to PJsApplianceOutlet.com. That's PJsApplianceOutlet.com where every deal is a steal.
3: I'm on my third child and also on my third vehicle at Inver Grove Hyundai. I'm Christelle from Mendota Heights. I did my research on high-rated vehicle, good value, and that brought me right to Hyundai. So now I'm on my third and also my third child, uh, which brought up the need to upgrade the vehicle again. So now I'm in the Santa Fe, and Hyundai brings a lot of features to the table, for not a lot of money. And considering I'm taking my kids in the vehicle, it's also a really highly rated vehicle as far as safety. So Invergrove Hyundai was able to work out just a great deal. The staff and the salespeople really did uh, close the deal for me because everyone has been just a joy to deal with. Through
2: August 31st, get 0% financing for up to 72 months, plus no payments for 90 days on Tucson and Santa Fe. Every new Hyundai comes with America's best warranty, 10-year, 100,000-mile limited Powertrain and Hyundai Assurance. Stop into Invergrove Hyundai or shop online at InvergroveHyundai.com.
0: Audiences everywhere
4: are saying Uncle Tom is a must see movie. Fantastic. Absolutely wonderful. Excellent. Breathtaking. A movie that is changing hearts and minds.
1: I really feel inspired. We're going to put up statues because of what this film may do.
4: An eye opening masterpiece of the real history of America. They want to cover up. History. I didn't study that kind of stuff when I was in history. They
3: are actively learning their history wrong. Why
4: have you hidden this for me?
5: Starring Larry Elder. And Uncle Tom is somebody who has sold out by embracing
4: the white man. Candace Owens. I'm
3: a black female. I should be at the top of the progressive stack.
4: Brandon Tate. They believe that I want to be accepted in the white community. Kind of like the house Negro back in slavery. And Herman King. As my late grandfathers used to say, I does not care. care. These are the voices of the movie Uncle Tom. Get your
5: copy today at UncleTom.com Use promo code MINNEAPOLIS to save 20%. Welcome back.
6: AM 1280, The Patriot. It is the Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson. Thanks as always for tuning in. 651 289-4488 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show. Hashtag NarnShow for any comments or questions. As always, we appreciate you tuning in. Again, it's me, Brad Carlson, filling in for the headliner, Mitch Berg, who is away on assignment, but Mitch will be in for me tomorrow. I always look forward to listening to Mitch's show. So uh, tomorrow, just kind of a role reversal. Normally, when I'm broadcasting on Sundays, I'll actually be a, I'll be a listener. So <laughs> it'll be uh, it'll be a fun time. So we look forward to what hearing what Mitch has to say. Uh, the guest of Palooza rolls on as uh, we are going to talk uh, some more local news, uh, particularly local issues. Uh, Kyle Hooten is a writer for Alpha News, and he has been uh, covering some terrific stories out of all that's been going on in Minneapolis. And obviously, there's been a lot of ripple effects that have occurred in the aftermath of the uh, tragic death of George Floyd at the hands of police back on Memorial Day. So we want to uh, get in as much as we can, talk about uh, some of the stories that uh, Kyle has been uh, reporting on. Uh, First of all, Kyle Hooten, welcome back to the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Good to have you on the broadcast, sir. Hey, thanks for having me back. Always glad to call in. We appreciate the the time. Uh, Kyle, I reached out to you a couple weeks ago because there were a couple of stories that you reported on that I'm— rather intrigued about and some that just uh aren't being reported in the regular mainstream outlets like the pioneer press and the star tribune uh, one specifically has to do with the uh person that they're calling umbrella man uh this was obviously yeah. the person who was dressed in all black carrying an umbrella the week of memorial day after the george floyd death where uh he smashed out windows of an auto zone i believe it was on the uh, uh wednesday or thursday evening and this uh it was a uh, Thursday evening, and uh, this incited riots. And apparently this person was identified via an anonymous email. Uh, he wasn't named because he wasn't charged. That's protocol. But we're about three, four weeks removed from that Star Tribune story, Kyle Hooten, and we still don't know who this person is. Uh, you reported on this for Alpha News a couple of weeks ago. Uh, uh, what did you find about the initial reporting on Umbrella Man that um, that we're not hearing about it a little more? So I've been intrigued by the Umbrella Man story since the very beginning. If you
9: remember, uh, left-wing conspiracy theorists originally thought that the Umbrella Man was a police officer sent to incite violence. That theory was, of course, debunked. And then we saw this new narrative that uh, Umbrella Man is a right-wing racist. I got a call from somebody, an anonymous tipster, that told me to um, look into the individual who came up with that theory. And here's what I found. I found that... That theory is based only on a search warrant request
1: that was written
9: by a left wing, um, left wing writer slash journalist turned police investigator. This individual has contributed numerous uh, left wing op eds saying that Trump should be impeached and all sorts of other things for years to the Star Tribune. And then the Star Tribune was able to access her search warrant request that uh, claims that the umbrella man is a white supremacist to start running this narrative. That has not been proven, it is only a theory that she laid out when uh, requesting that a judge give her permission to uh, search the cell phone of the individual who's thought to be umbrella man so it 's not as uh, as confirmed as people make it out to be. People present this as gospel truth that you know this individual is a white supremacist, but that 's not true at all that 's only one theory that was laid out by one investigator and has not been confirmed
6: yeah and I, and I was kind of. Confused by the story because obviously when it came out in the uh, the Star Tribune a couple three weeks ago, I you know I have updates on my phone when the Star Tribune has breaking news and this came out and I you know my initial reaction was you know the uh, the progressive left has finally seen their Sasquatch because every major crime seemed they seem to want to tie it uh, to to white supremacy and they finally have that and you know I I don't cling to any narrative either way because whoever this person is needs to be brought to justice the full extent of the law regardless of with whom he's affiliated but. I guess, based on an anonymous email tip, if you don't have any forensic evidence and you're certainly not going to get any facial recognition evidence, how are you going to tie this to, to anybody unless the, unless the person confesses this? just seemed very lean from the beginning.
9: That's my exact question. And the other problem we have is lazy journalism. National outlets were citing that Star Tribune article mm-hmm. you know, as if it was a bona fide fact, and that's right. simply untrue. And I think it's dangerous how quickly pure conjecture uh, can take control of the entire narrative, as we saw.
6: Now, one of the other stories that uh, you covered, obviously, was um, was the shocking memo that was put out uh, by the Minneapolis police bit, talking about robbery prevention tips, obviously violent crime and other crimes on the rise in the aftermath of the George Floyd killing. You know, you can cite your reasonings as to why police are maybe hesitant to approach a situation because of what some of their colleagues had, had done, what have you, but... One of the a couple of the robbery prevention tips that you had highlighted, specifically, be prepared to give up your cell phone and your purse or wallet, and then do as the robbers say because your safety is most important. And this was a tweet that you put out. he was picked up by the son of the president for goodness' sake, so it got a lot of national play. And as a result, yeah. uh, the police, uh, the police department kind of backpedaled on it. What can you tell us a little bit about that? I mean, it was just, uh something along the lines of this wasn't given official uh, sanction to send out. Uh, what can you tell us about that, Kyle Hooten?
9: Well, first of all, I want to say that uh, being prepared to give up your stuff isn't robbery prevention. It's preparing to be robbed. Uh, but right. Second, um yeah, the, the police department, they emailed me, and I'm not sure who, what journalists or what members of the media all received this email, but I got an email uh, to my Alpha News Gmail account from a police spokesperson claiming that that message was not cleared through the proper channels and that the chief of police should not be held account- accountable for that statement. I followed up uh, you know, asking you know, how that happened. How is there such a massive failure that all residents of the 3rd Precinct receive this message, and is there going to be a follow-up message you know, rescinding the original statement i received no response for that and uh what's important is uh they said that they were unsure how this has happened and i asked if there's going to be an investigation you know to make sure that potential false information isn't distributed to the public in the future and i i received no response so i'm still waiting on that but unfortunately i don't think the public's really ever going to get an answer it's my opinion my humble opinion that uh, they were simply backpedaling by claiming that that message was sent without proper approval
6: And along those same lines, you also uh, uh, cited a poll in a story you did uh, claiming that uh, 61% of uh, Minneapolis residents support abolishing police. And, you know, speaking of the Star Tribune, literally uh, within the last hour, I got a breaking news update where there were some residents surveyed that said the majority do not want to. It's a slight majority, but a majority nonetheless do not uh, favor uh, defunding the police or abolishing the police. Uh, What do we do to believe here, Kyle Hooten? Well, this is confusing because the Center of the American
9: Experiment, they do great work, excellent think tank, conservative lean, and they published findings that seems to indicate that about 58 percent of Minneapolis residents support an amendment to the city charter that would allow the councils to defund the police. So we're seeing from an ACLU funded survey and from a more conservative funded survey right. that it, it's a high number of individuals that favor this. So while it's probably difficult to track down that exact figure and, you know, the results of these surveys are going to vary depending on who you ask, what the sample size is, what time of day it is when you're walking around the streets. But uh, I think, nonetheless, we see a disturbing trend, and that is that a large chunk of Minneapolis residents watch their city burn down and now think we need less police. So I'm, I'm less concerned with what the exact number is, and I'm more concerned with the fact that this is something that's being discussed in the city. This is something that is receiving serious academic debate and real inquiry from city lawmakers. So, frankly, I'm, I'm terrified to see how this turns out. Well, I, you know, just, just today it came out that uh, – the city council's new budget proposal will remove 100 police officers from the force potentially by the end of the year. And, you know, there's only 800 patrol officers out there. That's over 12% of the force could be cut by the end of the year. Very real possibility.
6: Now, wasn't this uh, uh, in the in the aftermath? I mean, this, obviously, the city council voted to uh, uh, defund the police. I think it was almost unanimously, but there there is a city charter in place. And as you alluded to, that, that city charter has to be amended in order for that to happen. And wasn't it the, the charter uh, the charter members themselves that kind of, at least for now, uh, uh, decided to table that and, and revisit it another, uh, another time? Am I remembering that right, Kyle Hooten? Well, there's been a lot of debate within the city council. They all want less police presence, and they seem to be
9: waffling between let's fully abolish the police and let's defund the police, let's amend the charter, let's not amend the charter. And, you know, frankly, it's hard to keep up with that one hour by hour. So I would not be surprised if they've changed their tactics recently.
6: Once again, we're joined by uh, Kyle Hooten. His fine work can be found at uh, Alpha News. Check out their website, alphanewsmn.com. That's alphanewsmn.com. Kyle, we need to take a real quick break. Any chance you can hold over for one more segment? Oh, absolutely. I'd love to. Okay. Again, Kyle Hooten, journalist with uh, Alpha News. Again, alphanewsmn.com to be back. Talk about uh, some of the stories that he has filed this past week, including an arrest finally made in the toppling of the Christopher Columbus studio on Capitol Grounds. We'll talk a little bit about that and more when we come back. Me, Brad Carlson, filling in for Mitch Berg on the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Go nowhere. AM
0: 1280, The Patriot
2: For more than 20 years, investigative filmmaker Tim Mahoney has traveled the globe for evidence of some of the Old Testament's most miraculous events. Now, with The Red Sea Miracle Part 2, journey to Egypt and beyond as Tim interviews the world's foremost experts to discover the truth. The results are faith-affirming and fascinating. You must see Patterns of Evidence, The Red Sea Miracle Part 2. To see this powerful documentary and others in the series, go to SalemNow.com and use the promo code MINNEAPOLIS for 20% off.
5: Premier Pool and Spa still has those Arctic spas in stock. Yeah, you mean I can go in and get a spa right now with no waiting? That's right. Some of the models do have waiting, though, but they do have a lot of in stock spas, too. They also have grills, pergolas, outdoor kitchens, fireplaces you know, everything you need to make your backyard the perfect place to hang out in. Yeah, with as much time as we're spending at home, it's worth making it a great place to be, eh? You can do it yourself. I don't know about you, though. Or hire it out. That's maybe the better option. If you can find somebody to help you. Well, I know a couple of friends and maybe some ice-cold beverages that could come and help me. Well, maybe you'll come over and help, too. Yeah, we'll think about it. But go over to Premier Pool and Spa and see those Arctic spas today. They're the spas engineered for the world's harshest climates. You deserve it. Yeah, visit Premier Pool and chan today. PremierPools.com. Premier Pool and Spa, where we take fun seriously. PremierPools.com. Warning.
1: Warning.
8: Once you try a Patriot Burger, you may never go back to a regular burger. That's the Rack Shack Barbecue at rackshackbarbecue.com. Get that Rack Shack attack.
5: Rack Barbecue.
8: Oh yeah. Quit smoking
5: now for half price through this special offer from Breathe Therapy in this station. Get one Breathe Therapy program for $250. Breathe Therapy is fast, easy, and effective. Go to this station's website, click on the More tab and half price offers, or call the station now.
6: Welcome back. AM 1280, The Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network. It is the headliner edition of the Northern Alliance, Sands, the headliner, Mitch Berg. Mitch away on assignment, but fear not, Mitch will be filling in for me tomorrow from 1 to 3 p.m. right here in these very airwaves, AM 1280, The Patriot. Yeah, it's me, Brad Carlson. Always an honor to be with you and uh, chat with uh, Mitch's listeners. I imagine we have some unique listeners that may not uh, cross over, and that's fine, but it's always great to... Uh, be on Saturdays as well. I uh, want to get back to our guest, uh, Kyle Hooten with Alpha News, but before we do, we do want to get to a, a caller on the line, Dan from Hopkins. Hey, Dan, you are on the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Go ahead.
1: Hey, Brad, thanks for a great radio show every Saturday or Sunday or whenever you're on. It's awesome. Thank you. And, uh, see, you know, I think some of these surveys are, are really pretty vague. I mean, I, I suspect that perhaps um, the renters and the Tenants and various apartment buildings and congested areas around in downtown or the Cedar Square West are fine without police. But I don't think that's the case of people who are homeowners and sure. business owners. And so that would be nice if they could distinguish the difference. And uh, what are neighborhoods doing? I think North Minneapolis has a strong watch group. You drive around in certain parts of north of Dowling, um, people really are very conscientious of what's going on in their neighborhoods. And maybe they'll take up arms themselves more so or have some sort of a, their own force of some kind to protect their properties. What do you think?
6: Yeah, appreciate the call, Dan. I, I know a friend of the broadcast, uh, Louis Denard, he's the president of the African-American Heritage Gun Club. He and some of his uh, fellow Second Amendment enthusiasts were standing guard with some of some of the shops in North Minneapolis with some pretty heavy artillery. So you're exactly right. I think people knowing what's going to happen or fearing what's going to happen with— uh, Defending police, significantly reducing the force, if not abolishing it altogether, are are taking responsibility into their own hands. And we're seeing stories about that all the time with new gun ownership increasing more and more as every day passes. So uh, thanks, Dan. Appreciate the call. Again, we want to get back to our guest, uh, Kyle Hooten again. He with Alpha News. Check out their website, alphanewsmn.com. Kyle, you uh, filed a story just a couple of days ago uh, regarding the county attorney or, or, excuse me, regarding the man finally being charged with toppling the Christopher Columbus statue within the past couple of months. Don't know why it took so long, but it was pretty obvious who was responsible for this, but it has happened. And you uh, filed a story indicating that the county attorney, uh, John Choi, uh, he's not going to be pursuing a jail, but something called restorative process. Got to admit, Kyle, I, I have not heard of that. Can you fill us in a little bit about what that entails?
9: Sure, absolutely. You know, unfortunately, I read a lot of progressive news. I've heard about this restorative justice before. Instead of the more punitive justice that involves punishing an individual who did wrong, restorative justice aims to address the underlying causes, the systemic racism or whatever else prompted this man to tear down the statue. So I reached out to the county attorney. And his office told me that uh, they're going to pursue this restorative process. They can hopefully have a broader effect than uh, the effect that would be had by actually punishing the criminal. And then they added, this is very interesting, they added that this type of crime usually doesn't carry a jail sentence anyway. Well, the crime this man's accused of is uh, you know, felony destruction of property. And sure. I looked up you know, what the statutory law in the state says about that. And according to Minnesota Statute 109.595, Uh, This man should face up to five years in prison. He inflicted over $100,000 in damage to the Capitol grounds, according to court documents. And now, instead of putting him in jail, we're going to do some sort of social justice treatment to bring about broader healing? I don't understand it.
6: Now, did you you actually, uh, I mean, did you broach the uh, the, uh, county attorney's office? Uh, Because the reason I ask is I was wondering if if there are going to be other Aggrieved groups that would be exempt from this, like you know, you you look at it. If you know there are some very staunchly pro-life individuals uh, in this state, and I'm not would not advocate for any kind of violence or def- destruction of property in any circumstances, regardless of whether it's a cause I agree with or not. But I got a feeling, Kyle Hooten, if there were some say pro-life uh, groups that were would uh, vandalize a Planned Parenthood, they probably wouldn't get the uh, get the same uh, treatment in this particular case.
9: No, I think it is absolutely a politically motivated thing. I looked into the Ramsey County attorney a little bit, and I saw some indication online this is a very progressive individual we're dealing with. And I think this is something that should really concern a lot of Minnesotans. The fact that politics is now infiltrating the justice system and the punishment for crime can be based on a prosecutor's personal feelings about what happened. That's a very scary precedent to set.
6: What's it? Uh, we were talking, you know, about uh, Minneapolis police earlier, and you had a couple of stories within the uh, past day uh, regarding the uh, uh, the homeless camps, some of the homeless encampments that are taking place uh, throughout Minneapolis. Obviously, there are some high profile ones along Hiawatha Avenue, as well as uh, Powderhorn Park. And apparently, uh, you'd written that police were attempting to maybe break these up or uh, disperse some of these encampments because there has been report of higher crime rates in those uh, particular areas. And, you know, once again, this is what we we're talking about. When police are actually doing their job, they're meeting significant resistance uh, from people who, you know, are you could say they're maybe looking for a headline or daring police to do their jobs and maybe turning around and accusing of brutality because the police are under such tremendous scrutiny. Uh, what can you tell us about these uh, latest clashes that police have had with these activists?
9: Well, I can tell you that uh, for the last 60 days, the Powderhorn Park in Minneapolis has been occupied by a massive homeless camp that at one point housed up to 800 individuals. The Powderhorn neighborhood, meanwhile, has had crime rates that climbed to 188 percent the national average for violent crime rates. I was on the ground in Powderhorn within about 12 hours of a shooting. Uh, A child was also sexually assaulted in the park. And after 60 days, Uh, the city, the park board, finally decided to move in and clean up the situation. They gave 14-day eviction notice, and then when some individuals still had not vacated the park, the city park police moved into that area and uh, uh, attempted to remove those tents. They were met with massive resistance, and police ended up having to deploy uh, tear gas and mace certain individuals, according to reports that I was seeing from people that were on the ground. And what's so concerning about this is the organized fashion in which these left-wing protesters uh, got to the parks If you look online, you'll see that uh, these different groups, such as the um, it's called the residency project or something like that, will tweet out and post on Facebook that they need people who are willing to, quote, physically resist the police and, quote, bodies that are willing to be arrested. So they're putting out these calls online for people that are literally willing to go to jail after physically resisting law enforcement and people show up. And uh, they're very organized, they're very responsive, and they have very dedicated membership. And we've seen this play out several times across Minneapolis. So there's an organized counter-police movement that is preventing law enforcement from carrying out its job, even when there was absolute legal process and there was a 14-day eviction notice for these people.
6: I mean, it's just stunning to me some of the news that is coming out in that particular area. I don't know if you remember a story that was reported, and I think it was in the past couple three weeks there was a resident of that area a gentleman who was uh held up at gunpoint by two young thugs i don't know i don't recall if they took his wallet they maybe also took his car as well and he ended up calling police which you know is your your reflexive reaction if if you're being held at gunpoint and then he later as a quote in this news story expressed his regret for calling police on two armed thugs not even taking into account That if you just let this stand, well, they didn't hurt me and they're probably hurting more than I am, so I'm just going to let it stand. But yeah, but who's to say that the next person isn't going to be as tolerant and could end up getting shot? It's just an it's an alternate universe over there, Kyle Hooten. And, you know, what happened is that guy not
9: only expressed his own, I would think, ignorance of how the world works, but he drew national praise. The yes. New York Times sent a reporter down there to Powderhorn Park where they interviewed that individual and several other individuals who took a vow to not call the police because they believe that by calling the police on criminals, they're somehow perpetrating a racist system. And millions of Americans were exposed to that story and looked upon it approvingly. I don't understand it.
6: Once again, we have joined by uh, Kyle Hooten doing some uh, fantastic work at uh, Alpha News. Check out their website, Alpha News MN dot com. Kyle, we only have about a minute to go. Any, uh, can you give us a sneak preview of uh, some of the other stories you've been working on? You've been a busy young man, that's for sure, with all the stories you've been filing lately. I've been trying my best. Unfortunately, I can't be there right now, but there's a massive protest
9: outside the home of Bob Kroll, the president of the Minneapolis Police Union. Uh, I'm hearing from people on the ground that there's convoys of vehicles moving into the area. And when I went undercover with the class matter protest, I saw this group of motorcyclists that they use to direct traffic to block streets and from videos that i'm seeing those individuals are also on the ground directing traffic so that they can get the maximum number of people outside bob Kroll's personal home so that's a developing situation uh check out the Alpha news facebook page check out rebecca brandon's twitter feed because she's on the ground right now uh, for videos of that situation as it develops
6: Uh, Kyle, appreciate your time today, sir, and uh, best of luck to you going forward. You're doing uh, yeoman's work out there, making it happen, and uh, hopefully we can call you in again in the future. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me on. AM 1280, the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network. is me, Brad Carlson, filling in for Mitch Berg on this Saturday. Mitch will be in for me tomorrow. I've enjoyed it, folks, as always. Thanks for tuning in. Godspeed, my friends. Have yourselves a blessed week. closing
5: time one last call for alcohol so finish your whiskey or beer closing time
4: relief factor, effective pain relief that really, really works. How do I know that? I don't have a script. I don't have talking points. I live it. I've been taking it for a year and a half. I had a lower back pain issue that had been plaguing me for nine years, almost a decade. I took relief factor for two Weeks, yes, two weeks, and my pain was gone, and it's still gone. That's the experience of tens of thousands of Americans who are taking Relief Factor right now. Don't take my word for it. See their incredible video testimonials at relieffactor.com.